Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Saturday episode, which is Saturday with Smoltz. Every single Saturday, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz joins me to have a different conversation about what's going on in the league, share some great stories of his from the past, which is always a lot of fun. And today, we're going to talk about the state of the New York Yankees. It's it's perplexing to me that we're here in the middle of August and they're right around the 500 mark and uh, the odds are very much so against them to making the playoffs. And this isn't, this just isn't the New York Yankees that I grew up watching. That is one of the most uh, valuable teams in, in sports history. So talking to John about what exactly is the direction they need to go, what he sees from their perspective, that's a good conversation. As well as, as the Rays losing Shane McClanahan and what that means for them, which really leads to a good conversation. One of my favorite conversations that I've had with him about analytics in baseball and is it good enough to win a championship and if the Rays are in position to ever win a championship or if it'll just be a really really good regular season sort of team uh, so that ends up being a great conversation as well as the NL MVP Ronald Acuna Jr. is he the runaway to win it all or are Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman closer than we might think this one is a lot of fun let's get to it All right, and I am joined now, as I am every Saturday, by John Smoltz, Hall of Famer for the Atlanta Braves. John, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. We're getting again, closer and closer to the end. Oh, man, it's starting to it's definitely starting to feel a little more intense these days in the baseball world. And one of those teams that it's definitely very intense for right now is the New York Yankees. And, John, I want to start there with them, mainly just because I'm I'm perplexed at the state of this franchise currently. You know, we can point to the deadline where they didn't really do anything. We talked about that. They're currently sitting right around the 500 mark. The odds of them making the playoffs are quite slim. Um, and, and it just feels like, you know, I, I grew up watching the Yankees in the late nineties, early two thousands when they were the New York Yankees. And it just feels like things are different there right now with the organization. What are, what are your thoughts on the current state of the New York Yankees organization? Yeah, it's uh rare times that we talk about the Yankees in this vein. I mean, they, they rarely reboot. I, I think of, uh, Remember the trades they made, and they certainly benefited from the Chapman, and they got uh, some moves where you think, well, on the fly, they were able to do things. Gary Sanchez was kind of keeping them in the playoff hunt because by by himself, he yeah. went on that home run stretch. And you could see the future of the, of the New York Yankees kind of going in a way where, oh, man, Judge, Sanchez. Now, a lot's going to be made of the Stanton deal. In one way or another, it's always going to be there because they took on that deal and they took on that contract 
And when you think of the really a lot of the moves they've made, there's been a narrative that they can't shake. That narrative is whoever they've gotten has been hurt. Yeah. And the past in some of these deals, those guys have been hurt before. And you almost were acting like get them to New York and that will change. Well, it didn't change. And it kind of has hamstrung their roster manipulation and ability. And right now, that's the focus is everyone's going to talk about their roster got unathletic quick. And the injuries to, to those key players have made the difference in the world. Look, what happened to Rizzo is flukish. That is not something Rizzo in the past. He has no record of being hurt. He doesn't miss games. Shoot, he gets hit like crazy. And that is a that's a fluke. But missing Rizzo is huge. You think about the New York Yankees and where they play. They don't have any left-handed power in their lineup. And that is the staple of New York Yankees, and that's short ports. So they've been heavily right-handed. And they've been kind of now, you know, LeMayu, great move. But he got hurt. This is one of the most prolific hitters in, in all of baseball. I won a batting title in both, both leagues. So you look at that narrative and it says hurt, 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 hurt everywhere you go. And that depth did not is not a was not a surplus, which always has been the Yankees will go get this and the Yankees will go get that. In a perfect world, their roster was built on great pitching. Yeah. And they were hoping to get timely home run hitting, right? And then everything has fallen through. Their pitching got hurt, position players got hurt. So at the end of the day, you got to look at their roster and how it was put together, and you got to think, what are they going to do? And I don't think there's any good quick fix, uh, especially when it comes to this offseason. I, I do. I agree. The Rizzo one, uh, a freak accident, freak injury. And it, but uh, aside from that, John, and, and not all of you can't blame these on any one person, but we talked about those moves that have been made over the last few years. Carlos Rodon, Hurt, Andrew Benintendi, Harrison Bader, Frankie Montas, Lou Trevino, Scott Efros, Matt Carpenter, Josh Donaldson, all of the people that they're bringing in seem to get hurt. And, and let's look at last year when the big guy on the market for them to go get. Now, they were an ALCS team. The big guy for them to go get on the pitching side of things was Luis Castillo. He was the number one guy out there. They ended up going with the number two guy, Frankie Montas, and that has obviously not worked out. Injuries happen there. I just feel like the Yankees uh, of old, and I don't know if this is fair to say, but I feel like those Yankees teams in the 90s, early 2000s would have gone to get that Luis Castillo and re-signed him long-term instead of the Frankie Montas option. am, Am I wrong there? No, I think the Yankees of old would have not cared about the threshold and gone over it. So they're being responsible from a financial standpoint. But I think there is uh, some maybe questioning, as you mentioned. Look, I I think track record means something. And if you think you're going to literally get them in the pinstripes and those stripes of the past are going to change, you're really, really relying on something that has a track record. And in the Yankees of the old, they could absorb that. They just go get the next guy and they would spend above. They're not there now. And so with the Aaron Judge um, signing, of course, which was seemed like a no-brainer but went down to the wire, he got hurt for a long yeah. time. So uh, they got to get away from that narrative and they got to find some young players and, and, and be able to do some of the things that make the New York Yankees uh, one of the greatest organizations of all time. And that's usually the conversation we're having. So if they had last year gone after a Luis Castillo type, then you're looking at a rotation with Garrett Cole, Luis Castillo, which is kind of what I want to talk to you about now is rotations and the playoffs. And specifically now with the Rays, who 
for the majority of this season, or at least the first half, were the best team in baseball and, and having one of the best seasons we've seen. Over the last probably two plus months, they've been about a 500 baseball team, still have a good record. Now, their best pitcher, one of the best pitchers in the game, Shane McClanahan, has gone down and likely out for the year. So what I want to ask is, is, do you believe they can succeed with the way they're built? And yes, Tyler Glass now, I believe, is an ace of a staff kind of guy. But without two or three ace of a staff type of guys, can the Rays specifically and a team in general win in the playoffs and get to the World Series without those guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And the one thing the Rays have dealt with that kind of is incredible in their success, they've had pitching injuries for the last five, six, seven, eight years. I mean, you go all the way back and they've had a ton of them, but they've proven that they could overcome most of them in the compartmentalized season of fractional bullpenning. They've made self-adjustments from year to year. Remember when they said they would never let a starter one year face the team uh, three times, <laughs> face the batting yeah. three times? Well, they quickly adjusted on that and realized all their relievers were getting burned out. So they said, all right, we can't do that. But they're, they're a big believer in arm angles and different things, and they think differently, and they win. Now, to your point, though, does that mean that's a postseason success? I don't think it is. But they keep proving people wrong. They find ways to get in and make it difficult to beat them. But these are huge losses. These are losses that made them elite to now just very good. And yeah. very good can get it done, but you're going to burn out some pieces because whatever you miss in those guys, you got to replace. And those replacements are going to come primarily from the bullpen. They're going to piece the starter together, but they're going to rely heavily now on the bullpen. I, I do. I think to a degree they have kind of proved the narrative wrong, but they haven't. Got, they haven't won. You know, we've seen them get there. We haven't yet seen that blueprint be able to win a championship. I think it's great for a regular season success. I think you can win in the playoffs. But you look at the last few years, I can't think of a team that doesn't come to mind where they have at least two, most likely three studs in a rotation for the playoffs. Look at the, the Phillies. You have Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez last year, the Astros for years, Justin uh, Framber, then Garrett Cole, Zach Granke. The blueprint, I feel like, to winning a World Series is, offensive side, having two aces in a rotation and a third guy that shows up in the playoffs. And next thing you know, you're throwing them out two games in a world series run. And, and that's how you win. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing from an analytical standpoint, they've proven that they can in one sixty-two, a lot of what they do works right. Analytically, they can compete with the big boys at a low salary yeah. uh, structure. They can interchange pieces and act like they're one and the same, but what they won't, and I think at times people won't admit is the postseason is not a regular season. Yep. You cannot bring those same algorithms and apply them to a best of five. You just can't. It's not the same. They'll they'll tell they'll tell you it's a randomness and that you know it's it luck and so many things come into play. I've seen and the perfect storm was in the pandemic pandemic World Series. You know, in the bubble, that was where sixty games they were the most dangerous team because I think that. That is a formula where they could have succeeded and almost did. They didn't deviate from their uh, scenario. We all know about the Blake Snell situation. What I will tell you, though, the Rays, of all the teams that have utilized analytics and things that you know separate one from the other, they just do a better job of being able to navigate a season when everybody thinks, well, yeah, they can't make a deep run this way. 
and sooner or later they think they will. But all those things you said are valid. And, and, and literally, the playoffs has a formula that has proven successful, and the teams that adhere to it usually go on to win it all. That's kind of been my thought. And I I think the Rays deserve a ton of credit for how good they are and how much they've been a machine for, for a decade. They've taken over the analytic world and they've become a, a, a wins machine. And you can talk, they like can tell you down to at the beginning of the season, how many wins they will end up with in a season. And I think back to, to the Moneyball A's and I think that's a blueprint to win. I don't think it's a blueprint that has yet proven who has proven that the Moneyball era with the A's, the Moneyball era, the, the Rays, the fully analytic approach, who has proven that it is enough to win a championship when I believe at the end of the day, it's not about having a hundred plus wins in a regular season and getting playoff games. It's about winning a championship and I've yet to see it. No, absolutely. You know, the Rays have never won a series. So for all the credit in the world given back to them and what they started to where we are today, obviously we're years away from that. And yeah. the analytical world has really, uh, I would say, uh, broke down barriers. But at the same time, to your point, you know, when that happens, then they feel like there's a blueprint for that success all the way through. Remember, you know, there was back in my day, you could question, do teams really want to win a championship? What does it cost them in the end and all that? that a lot has changed since then. And I think all the credit, as you mentioned, this is something that has a lot of experts scratching their heads going, how do they do it? How do they make every right trade? How do they get in every right situation? Um, For 162, they're the kings. And I think they're trying to figure out and navigate how do they make it from 162 to the end so that they really can hold that trophy and beat their chest and say, at about $150 less, look what we were able to do. Yeah. Well, I think we've seen over the last few years, a lot of the blue, like a lot of teams around the league that are winning championships have taken the Rays way, made it very analytical while also spending the money and having the superstars. And I think that is the recipe for success. John, last one for you Uh, in the National League, at least for a, a little while, it seemed like it was a runaway for the MVP award with Ronald Acuna Jr. So my question to you is, is there a way that you see anyone not named Ronald Acuna Jr. winning the MVP award in the National League this year? I mean, there is a way. Uh, What he's doing is pretty special. Um, Look, the challenge for the Braves, and they got two contenders, right? Olsen, and they've got Acuna, and then there's Freddie Freeman. Um, And I'll tell you what, Olsen's making a late charge with all that he's done with the power and the RBIs and obviously a byproduct of Acuna. Um, But the challenge is going to be if the Braves get to a point and they've locked up the number one record or not secured one of two and they, you know, go on to win the division. How does Brian Snitker balance giving everybody the opportunity to do something specially individually? And I think that's always a challenge for teams that have success. Look, I don't know of another scenario where there's been two candidates for an MVP in your lineup. And that team not make the playoffs. Maybe there is. I haven't even looked at that, but it would seem like. Well, the Angels. The Angels are a right? good one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The Angels. Have, there you go. That's the most recent. That should be the. That that should have been the first thing I thought about. But I think when you have this scenario, and of course, Freddie Freeman having a fantastic year. Not to mention Mookie Betts. I forgot him. So there's really kind of four in the mix, but he is a heavy favorite, and some things would have to go awry. Uh, 
And actually, the other the guys would have to do something even more spectacular to to kind of clip them. Yeah, he is the heavy favorite. And we talked about this last week a little bit with the pitcher side of things. And I got your opinion on with a pitcher. Are you looking more towards innings or less innings, high strikeouts? We talked a lot about that with with hitters. John, you, we mentioned Olsen and Freddie specifically. Who would you and and if if you had to choose, if you will, are you taking a guy hitting 276 with 43 homers and 107 RBIs or the guy that's really a complete different player in Freddie Freeman hitting 340 on the year with 23 homers and 83 RBIs? Are you taking the higher average, less homers or Matt Olson, who actually leads him in OPS, but is leading the league in home runs as well? Yeah, I think the formula for the hitters kind of work too. It's a great discussion because we're going to have many people talk about you know, I remember when Miguel Cabrera was doing his thing in the Triple Crown and everyone said the Triple Crown's overrated. It shouldn't be this. You know, I'm like, BS, you win the Triple Crown. You're doing something unbelievable. Yeah. And I know those are old age kind of statistics, but I think for Freddie Freeman and what he means, obviously, to the Los Angeles Dodgers, they have a very well-respected lineup. As do, uh, you know, people talk about the Atlanta Braves. They're going to have one of the, probably the best lineup in, in baseball that we've seen in a long time. So it's a byproduct of a lot of things. When you have a bulk of one category that is so far ahead of the rest, then you lean towards, let's say, an Olsen who is less in three other categories. But when you have the consistency of Freddie Freeman in every category, and he's not like miles away then you have to consider that. I'll tell you another guy that if he hit 390, he would have to have a stronger consideration as a rise. Yeah. We've not seen this in this era. I mean, he's doing things that were so incredible that it stands out against the rest. But long-winded answer to say, if, if, if Olsen hits 61 home runs and hit 270, then I think you got to strongly look at what he did from that quantity versus just overall greatness that Freddie Freeman had. Great discussion. I just hope people yeah. dive into it and do their their due diligence. I, I also think this is different conversation for a different day, but you, you mentioned the old school statistics, if you will. Look, as a baseball player myself in the minor leagues, the one category that you see up on the scoreboard is batting average. It matters. RBIs, driving guys in. That's how you win games. I, I, I feel like offensively, the, the analytics people aren't the ones that are playing the game that are concerned about, look, batting average and drive guys in. Those are still, in my opinion, very, very important stats. And I understand there's more now, but we've gotten, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of weight in batting average in baseball. And, I, and I'll say this, because they devalued it and batting average has gone way down to an all-time low, you got to start looking at the people that are have batting average yeah, way true. above the. I mean, if you're talking a hundred points above the league, league average, give me a break. <laughs> you can't tell me that doesn't matter. And that's not a skilled and it's not just about random luck and stuff like that. Yep. John, always a lot of fun, my friend. Appreciate you joining me. My pleasure. All right. See ya. All right. Thanks again to John for joining me as always. What a really fun conversation. And it is something that I have thought a lot about over the last few years. And I really think the Moneyball movie kind of kicked it off for me is, you know, we, we almost, we celebrate those teams and organizations for doing what they do. And I do believe it's very impressive, but it is yet to be proven 
to win a championship, which, which is the ultimate goal. You know, the goal isn't to spend as little as you can on your team and be as good as possible, which is what I think the Rays are doing. I, the goal is to win a championship. And, uh, certainly the, the loss of Shane McClanahan, in, in my opinion, doesn't allow the Rays to do that this year. Cause the Rays were starting to get to a point where, you know, with McClanahan and glass now in a rotation, Eflin's been really good this year. I think that kind of changed the look of the roster that we've seen from them over the last few years. Uh, but I don't believe they'll be able to without McClanahan, but it led to a really good conversation about analytics and, uh, if a team like that can win a championship. So thanks as always to John Smoltz and thanks as always to you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch everything we do at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. That does it for this Saturday episode. Until next time, my friends, peace.